Welcome listeners to the 10th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhards, with me today are co-hosts and powerful wizards Robin Svensson, back from traveling the country, and Christopher Wikström, as always, most welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, hello, good to be back. Hello everybody, and welcome back Robin, we've missed you dearly. We even wrote a poem, or well, I did, I just want to lay it on you before we get on with the show. Forests are green, swamps are black, you made some merits, it's good to have you back. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back. Nothing like a welcoming poem. Have you had a good time? Yeah, I had a great time. Been uh, uh, far from the civilization for a couple of uh, weeks and it's been really nice. I mean, the listeners, of course, can't see this, but you've grown a beard that's longer than Christopher's now. This is... Uh... This is escalated. Uh, Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Deck app. In today's episode, Robin will give us a fresh Paper Legacy Tournament report. That's fantastic. Also, we will convene the Basic Land Connoisseur panel for black-green depths. So Robin, you ended up in Trollhättan, population 59,134 last week, to play in the Trollywood Legacy at uh, Alara Games a local game store in Toronto known to put on larger events in the times before COVID-19. Tell us, what was this like? Yeah, it was great. Uh, I had a, a brief uh, visit in Gothenburg and was heading back to the woods of Värmland. And along the way is Trollhättan. So uh, the, the family went on a museum and uh, I went on to play some legacy. Uh, and then we traveled uh, further north. So... Yeah, it was really cool to to sort of have time to play a little bit of Paper Legacy in person along the way. So what did you play? Yeah, I brought a, sort of a travel deck on the vacation. And uh, the reasoning behind this was uh, that before the summer, I bought two boxes of Modern Horizons 2. And I haven't opened them yet. Uh, so I've been totally neglecting buying new cards uh, just to see what I will get in those boxes. So many of my decks that I would probably choose to bring were outdated in this new meta. Uh, so I had standstills with neither Ursa Saga or uh, Timeless Dragon. And Delver without like, what is it? 11 cards or something that has been changed at least <laughs> at least 11 cards and epic store without galvanic relay or eevee so i took the deck which uh, was least affected by modern horizons 2 which is uh, rainbow turbo uh, depths deck and uh, yeah i mean that's a great deck to to bring on a vacation because it's a little bit cheaper than all the other decks if something bad happens, get a, a break in into the car or something like that. And it's also a great deck to make new friends along the way when you're on vacation because if you find somebody who plays Legacy and you make Merit Leech on turn two, uh, see how they can answer it. And you know if they don't appreciate that kind of gameplay, you probably don't want to be friends with them anyway. So oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely agree with that. And I just want to like uh, insert that if uh, for some reason you don't make any friends, it's a great 
great deck to just uh, you know goldfish with also <laughs> you know like you're sitting there with a bear in your hand you're like yeah i win turn two again <laughs> <laughs> i i wish reality was uh was like goldfishing sometimes we will come back to that in the in the tournament <laughs> report but <laughs> so so th- this was completely um unupdated mostly to the new meta and I've been playing this deck a little bit during the autumn in the in the Discord league. I mean nothing really has happened to this deck in in terms of innovation because the poster boy and innovator of Turbo Depths, uh, Tom Hepp, uh, Negator 77 uh, online. He has been on a magic break so there's like been no results of this deck lately. So I, I basically played the old list that I've been playing and just made a, a little bit of changes to the sideboard. And this is very straightforward, so I will just run through the deck very fast here. So there's a, a rainbow mana base of four gemstone mines and four mana confluence. And then there's the Urborg, Tom of Yogmote to make a lot of black mana. There's petals and spirit guides. And then there's four stages, four depths and four hex mages. So that's like the combo package. And then you have uh, crop rotations, four of them, and four sylvan scrying. And then there's protection, four thought seizes, four other discard, which is two duress and two inquisition of Kozilek. I run four not of this world because I love that card. <laughs> and then there's uh, <laughs> two stifles and uh, two pissing needles. And uh, a, a small package to, to, uh, to tutor for. One Bayuka Bog, one Caracas, one Ghost Quarter, and one Sergiri Step. So that's the 60 card main deck. And uh, I bought a board which is two Decay and two Trophy to get rid of Troublesome Permanents. And Trophy notably can also kill Caracas and force a Wasteland activation so that you can go off and then a little bit of graveyard hate uh, three ley lines and one extirpate and that's that's old tech from when I played slow depths because then you like make your opponent sort your uh, bob or your uh, elvish reclaimer and then you can extirpate their swords but I don't really think I should play extirpate in this list because there's only one swords and that's on merit lage. I think the, the, the charm with extirpate is that it's also a really good way to make friends you know when you <laughs> when you extirpate someone and they can s- smile through that yeah. that's a friend for life but yeah, uh, yeah, mo- yeah absolutely <laughs> the majority is not going to be too happy about getting extirpated absolutely I, I remember getting heavily extirpated in modern back in the days and i'm not gonna lie i did not take that standing up with a straight back yeah uh, i was usually pretty pissed it's a beautiful card i mean this deck plays so many of those effects right because i also have a, a third needle in the board i mean that's just a card that can that can break <laughs> break friendships break friendships as well if you if you name the right fetch and then there's uh, one sylvan library and i used to have two sylvan safekeepers but i was thinking that uh, all of the swords to plowshare decks also play prismatic ending so i thought that it would be better to not have a permanent sort of uh, answer to swords to plowshare so i actually brought two fling instead to throw the Merit Lage into the face in response to a source of plowshare. Schmackabam! Yep, and three fluster storms for the combo matchup. So like the, the beauty of of the of the rainbow side here is that I can play a little bit of blue cards and a little bit of red cards. Uh, but not too many. <laughs> yeah I think it's I think it's quite cool. And I think uh, when when people uh, pick this up a big uh, 
draw to the deck was that uh, you couldn't really get submerged because jokes on you i'm not playing any forests uh but uh, yeah the, i i feel like submerge might have fallen a bit out of favor recently due to maybe a, a one drop or <laughs> eight one drops in some of the best decks so what about the the tournament play uh, how did it how did it pan out for you yeah uh Nobody plays any green creatures anymore in in Delver, so so submerge so is totally useless. So uh, the tournament it was actually capped at thirty two people, which was uh, quite a pity because it was uh, like a long queue outside of people who wanted to to participate and didn't get a seat. So I think it would have been something like forty or so if if there wasn't a a, a cap. But I think that was due due to like lingering corona restrictions and that kind of stuff. I was a bit lucky. I was not pre registered and i got the last no the second to last seat so otherwise it would have been a bit boring for me to just get a no from the to <laughs> yeah what do you do in troll hetan otherwise <laughs> like yeah let's let's keep on going north i'll come i'll come to the museum and goldfish <laughs> yeah that's how it would end up but I, I think the other guys they were sitting in 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 another room and playing as well so they got to play magic at least so the tournament was ca- was uh five rounds of swiss followed by the top eight so this was on the other coast of sweden from where we live and i didn't really know any of the players except three guys who traveled from Uppsala. Uh, they woke up at four, I think, to travel to this tournament. But I did recognize some of the names of the players of the Swedish Discord League, uh, which I've been playing the last season. So in my first match, it was five matches I played. In my first match, uh, I faced four color low, the non-red version, which is the most popular, I think, now. And uh, he started with the Mox Bayou, Bob, and I thought that he was on some sort of slow depths and thought, a mirror, that's interesting. So I played Rainbow Land discard and took Greenson Scenic, but next turn he ripped the best card and played a Knight, which is really hard for this stick to, to deal with. But having seen his hand, I, I knew what to do, so I played the Double Petal, a Stage... Then cropped away my rainbow land for depths and immediately made uh, Merit Lage before the knight was uh, was active uh, because it could stop me with a wasteland. So I made a Merit Lage 2020 flying indestructible. On his turn, he of course activated the knight for Krakus and wanted to return Merit Lage to my hand, but uh, not of this word. My favorite card in the deck had my back and I killed him the following turn. Yeah, that sounds that sounds uh, so bad if you're on the uh, if you're on the loam side and yeah. uh, you create the merit and pass the turn. They know that they have this knight that's active and yeah, it's it's not gonna work out for them. It's uh, at least the reasoning. Like I I probably would have realized that yeah, this is not gonna go my way. Yeah, I guess they uh, either they are filled with despair because they see that bold move and, and realize that there's nothing you can do to stop it, or they think that you are totally stupid making the marriage lage in the face of a Krakus. But I mean, w- what do you do? You have to you have to follow through and see what happens. And in game two, sort of played out a little bit of the same. He had a box brainstorming to fetch land, which is pretty cool in that deck. Uh, and I paid just Rainbow Land and Pass, and I hold up Stifle, and I was thinking about maybe stifling his fetch so that he couldn't play Knight, but uh, I didn't do that. I thought there were more, like more more stressing things to to counter, and uh, he loses a bit of speed by playing a Glacial Cass, 
and almost forgot to sacrifice land, which I reminded him of. So on turn three, he gets to slam this knight, and I can't make Marriage Lage while it's uh, summoning six, so I had to sort of work through that active knight. So I play Depths as my third land, and he fetches Stage to make a copy, uh, and I could uh, make Marriage Lage myself in response to Fissilis' activation. And then on his turn, he, he keeps the Chasm in play. Uh, and grabs Caracas with this knight. And then I could crop rotate for Ghost Quarter and destroy his Chasm. And then uh, attack with Merit Lage. And when he tries to bounce it, I had a stifle for that. <laughs> so, yeah, everything just panned out in that game. So it was like a very, very cool matches where my deck just, you know, did everything that it needs to do. The, I had the petals to like do all of these spells in one turn. And so it was really cool. And the uh, knight decks are like the worst decks for this uh, deck to face. So it was, I felt unbeatable. I'm sure you did. Like sitting there as your opponent, that must have felt, I mean, in the first game, not of this world, it's like, okay, fine. You have it. Sure. Second game, he's like, oh my god, here I go, I have all the things, uh, getting the knight active, and then you sort of just stife. <laughs> yeah. He probably did, did not feel unbeatable going into the rest of the day from that. Yeah, and, and kudos for using your stifle like a depth player, not a threshold player. <laughs> Seeing that fetch, and you're like, oh, salvating. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, right, I'm a depth player. Like, uh, this, uh, this loam deck is probably not going to suffer too bad from getting stifled here. Yeah, I mean, it's made of lands, right? So he would just... Yeah. It's not like I'm going to mana screw him. Uh, so then uh, on the second match, I got paired against my buddy from Uppsala, Joel. And I was scouting a little bit during the last round because the rounds were so fast. So I knew that he and uh, the whole Uppsala crew were on blue and red Delver. On the game one, I made turn two Merit Lage. And I could play around Dage, uh, Dace by using Urbor, Depths and uh, Petal. And then play Hex Mage. And he had no answer for Merit Lage. And in game two, I got uh, killed by the monkey, so to say. He steals uh, Duress with Ragavan and takes my Stifle. And then I was not able to make Merit Lage because he had two onboard Wastelands. <laughs> so that, like, Duress totally wrecked me. Boo! Yeah. And game three, I kept uh, a shaky six-card hand and didn't draw, like, the gas that I needed. Uh, so... I just lost that game. Yeah, that seems super rough. And it's also not disappointing to see all Uppsala on Blue-Red Delver. I'm not going to go into to that, but man, that Ragavan stealing discard is must be so backbreaking for this deck, especially if you're like leaning into a Stifle or a Not of This World to avoid some sort of shenanigans. But yeah, the stock Blue-Red list is just really good against most things and uh, when Ragavan gets to be as good as it can be I mean the only possible worst thing that can happen is probably they hitting a crop and getting a wasteland yeah uh, but that might not even be worse than dressing your stifle <laughs> yeah I mean uh, we, we can talk a little bit how you sort of play the Ragavan metagame with this deck because I have some thoughts after this tournament uh, and 
like the game, the match three was a similar thing. It was another blue red Delver player, and uh, I take a game one with a quick merit lage, and then game two he steals a needle, <laughs> put it on Thespian stage, which sort of delays me, and then he steals a discard again, and takes my trophy, <laughs> and then wins with a blood moon. So that was just you know uh, a, a slaughter with the Ragavan. And then there was this super interesting game three where he had a sort of a slow clock and I had, I think I had three hex mages. Uh, so I, I baited all his counter magic with hex mages. Uh, and eventually he was, no, with not all, but two of the hex mages. So eventually he was uh, he was hellbent and I have, I think I had a Sergir step or something uh, plus the last hex, hex mage on hand. So I ripped Dark Depths, played it and played hex mage and immediately made uh, Merit Lage. And uh, he had a Delver and it did not flip on the reveal. So I was like, yes. And then what he drew for the turn was the Brazen Borrower and it bounced the Merit Lage. <laughs> and I think that was a one-off in his list, something like that. So that was a real top deck. Not like this. Not like this. I had to mute my mic because I was biting my lip so hard when you said the top deck Brazen Borrower. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that was probably like the, you know, if I win this game... Uh, no, if you lose one game, you have to sort of win all of the other games to be in the top eight. So I think that was sort of... What kicked me out from the top eight? So then I was in the one-two bracket and I played twice against Burn. <laughs> I don't think we have to talk so much about this. I, I lost one game for keeping a bad hand, but otherwise I just mulled to a quick merit lage and won uh, all of the matches. Yeah, when you said uh, that you played against Burn twice, then I was like, oh, so you got a free two record? That's nice. I'm not gonna trash talk Burn because it usually wrecks my decks, but <laughs> but uh, not Turbo Depths, no. It does not wreck that. There are like two kind of burns as well. It, it's like the legacy beginners who have put together the cheapest deck they could find and come to the tournament uh, and read all the cards. Both of my burn opponents read crop rotation. They read Urbor. <laughs> I had to explain the, the Thespian stage depths interactions and all of that. So they were beginners in, in legacy. Well, I'm very glad that you did uh, explain the uh, yeah, this combo. I mean, you know, good mentoring for you. And I'm going to take back what I said. Uh, now I just sound like an asshole. <laughs> so I'm just going to redact that, editor, fix that. No, I'm just kidding. One uh, burn player who I think he five owed the Swiss. No, maybe he drew one of the games or something like that. But he he totally crushed it and went to the top eight. So that was really cool. He was not the beginner, but I ended up three two and came in twelfth. So I mean, uh, a, a little above the most mediocre performance you could think of. It felt like it all, all came down to that brazen borrower that he ripped off the top. Because uh, otherwise, I think the meta was pretty good for me. It was one lance player, which I was really afraid of. But other than that, I think depths have a game against most of the decks. I mean, with the with the top deck brazen borrower, though. I mean, to me, it sounds like Ragavan stealing your discard and all of your thunder. 
is the yeah. real problem here, right? Yeah. Of I course. mean, do you even want to do you even want to play this card when Ragavan is around? It seems like such a risky thing. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, and I think that both playing discard and pithing needles is a little bit of a liability in the in the monkey meta. So I don't think it's reasonable to warp a deck like this around killing Ragavan because then you need like eight removal spells or something like that to to consistently try to beat their dudes. That's not what this deck is about. So I have to somehow make the deck so that they connecting with Ragavan doesn't really matter. And uh, so I've been thinking about changing some of the proactive cards that can backfire on you towards more reactive cards and maybe lands which cannot be played off Ragavan. So I think, I really like Stifle in this deck, so I think that maybe switching those two needles in the main deck to Stifles is a, is a very easy and a good beginning. Go up to four Stifles, it's a lovely card to play. And if you don't run the needles anymore, you could play your own Wastelands, and then you don't have to play uh, the Ghost Quarter. You can play like a four, full playset of Wastelands, because Wastelands is your number one enemy, and Krakus is your number two enemy, and Wastelands solves both those problems. Then you could consider moving the Flusterstorms from the uh, from the board to the main deck, uh, as it sort of does what Dures does. It counters uh, a sort of plowshare. Thing is that if you take those proactive cards into reactive cards, you sort of delay the combo a little bit because you have all you need to have all those mana on the combo turn. I, I'm not sure if it works out like combo wise, and you're also stretching the mana base a little bit with more blue cards. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree, and I think you know the the thing with Flusterstorm. It's mostly good. I mean, sure, you can bring him in against uh, the uh, blue-white blue shells that want to source the plowshares and, you know, have some sort of counter war. But it's it's mostly for the potentially even faster combos, I think. Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're thinking that you're one top deck away from making merit and hitting the opponent and you just draw a fluster, uh, that feels so bad. Like, now I have protection. <laughs> But yeah, you, you, protection for for a card that's somewhere in the deck that's trying to kill opponent. But yeah, I, I definitely like this. Uh, I, I like Stifles as well in this deck. I mean, it, it would be in the place of Duress, which is also a, a quite a bad top deck if you're just wanting to make Merit Lage and both are, you know. So so I, I think I need to test it just to see how it feels. Uh, and I, I think the problem is maybe that you only have eight uh, permanent sources of blue mana so that maybe it's a little bit hard and uh, i already play four not of this world i think most players play three or even two so that's a given i will continue to play those I, I like those very much one other problem that i've been thinking about is that both pithing needle and thought thesis are they are so broad cards they answer a large variety of of, of cards and the Stifle, Wasteland, and Flusterstorm is a little bit more narrow. So maybe you are powering down the deck a little bit by doing so. But it's a question of how dangerous you think it is to play against the Ragavans and how many Ragavans you are expecting. And and I, of course, is a little bit of like biased from my tournament experience of, of Ragavan here. So maybe I'm overdoing it. I don't know. I think uh, large chunks of the Legacy community will probably agree with you that you are inclined to face uh, a monkey or two if you sleeve up uh, a tournament these days yeah i was uh, talking about this on the on the lands discord in the depth section and i got this really cool suggestion to counter the ape with a sloth so this is arboreal grazer 
It's a creature beast, zero, three, reach. When Arboreal Grazer enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. So <laughs> it's a blocker for Ragavan to begin with. And it uh, speeds up your development of lands a little bit. And that may be like what is necessary if you are running more stifles and perhaps flusterstorms. And you need to have that extra land in play when you are trying to go off. I think this is a great brewing suggestion. I just want to point out the, the juggernaut of irony that this card is from War of the Spark. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I, I, th- I, I kind of like this uh, grazer. You know, this is this is the thing that you send to kill the boogeyman kind of thing. This is a bigger ape. It kind of looks like <laughs> Marsupalami, if you know that uh, cartoon. Yeah. Uh, this looks like a bigger ape. I mean, it's not going to kill it, but uh, <laughs> sure as hell not going to let any smaller monkeys come past. So what was the overall impression of the meta and... Uh... I mean, ex- extra interesting for this podcast, people's attitudes towards uh, physical play. I mean, you said there was a queue. Uh, not everyone even got into the tournament. Uh, how did it feel slinging actual cardboard against actual opponents in an actual tournament, an actual venue? <laughs> yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, about the meta, so there was a lot of uh, blue and red elver, obviously. Uh, I think a lot of people wanted to try this new, really strong deck. And uh, quite a few players were playing Burn, and uh, many of them was probably new, I assume. Uh, a funny thing is that there were two Steel Stompy players and they were facing off each other in the first round <laughs> and they were going to time as well. So it was a, a, a total slugfest. They were like drawing two with uh, that new flyer. And, uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw Lance, as I mentioned before, and I also saw uh, Yorion Strifopile doing really well in the top tables. So that was cool. And I spotted Bant, Elves, Sneak and Show, uh, and also Ice Station Zebra, uh, a real blast from the past. My round two opponent, Joel, he went on to win it all. Uh, big congrats to him. And I think we'll have him on uh, this podcast to speak about his run. And he can also speak a little bit of his experience as a tournament organizer. Has been He's been running the Discord League along with Peter Engström. But yeah, I mean... Playing in, in paper in front of uh, human being, that was just terrific. It was great. And uh, the store had uh, little plastic screens on the tables between the players. So it was very clean and sanitary and there was no touching of each other's cardboard. Felt really good. And uh, I mean, the judge complimented us for being easy to deal with as a crowd. And I mean, that's usually how it is when legacy players, right? A little bit older, a little bit more mature, <laughs> I guess. But it was real good vibe and a friendly environment, even for me, who I, I like hardly knew anybody and just came there by myself. It was a really nice experience. And I think everyone was hyped about playing Magic in person and uh, really enjoying the meta as well. I mean, I, I definitely felt the power of, of uh, Ragavan Monkey against my deck, but if I was looking at the top tables, I could see that it was the like top players there, not not just the top decks, if you, if you say. It was not just one archetype, it was the, the best players on the top tables. So that's how it's supposed to be, I guess. Uh, I am truly jealous. Uh, very good for you, Robin. I am I'm happy for you. Christopher. Did you jam any games this week? So I, I played this weekend on our Discord tournament, uh, but only two matches and with two different decks. 
and of course against two different opponents so i just wanted to you know try some different decks out have a good time uh, so the evening began with me playing doomsday against grixis control and boy <laughs> that's a hard matchup uh, you know, Fatsis's hymns, six forces, Narsets, you name it. I mean, it felt like that scene in Blues Brothers where they're driving the car inside the mall and Jake goes, this place got everything. Uh, you know, tier one imports and it's just like they're ramming into everything. And that, that kind of felt like my hand, uh, my opponent goes, Fatsis, oh, this hand's got everything. Takes one of my cards, hymns me the next turn. You know, definitely, it felt like I got crushed a lot of the time we were playing. I still managed to sneak one of the games, but I lost 2-1, and it did not feel favorable. Uh, the second match was against the Bant Control midrange, you know, the Abundant Harvest, uh, pretty stock Bant list. And uh, the second deck that I had prepared for the evening was the Colorless Dax list, that I'm sometimes leaving up when I want people to get reminded of uh, what it feels like not playing spells and i had some ursa saga some smokestacks eight spheres you know forcer assistance and some trinispheres and just had a great time and i think especially now where bant or the quote-unquote miracles decks are uh, in the meta now uh, what they are in the format it's really hard for them to decide what kind of role they're playing uh, like what they're trying to commit to against the deck like this this really mean stacks uh, because are you are you gonna commit to being the aggro deck are you trying to be the control deck but yeah i i, I think it's definitely tricky for the band deck to play some of these matchups and uh yeah, I, I managed to take it down too well. Uh, I had another week of no play. Uh, I am on vacation and I had for the Wednesday booked uh, a machine that one uses to build a stone paved outdoor space uh, next to the new uh, cabin. More places for us to enjoy brews uh, in the f- actual physical, literal brews once you visit the cabin. Both kinds of brews. Brewskis and brew decks. But yeah, we saw some pictures. It looked really great. Yeah, and it's always a nice experience to to use a new machine. Speaking of dark depths, what would the basic land Corusor choose for a non-rainbow, strict black-green depths deck playing, you know, Verdant Catacombs, Bayous, and uh, only one copy of each basic land? We're about to find out. Robin, Christopher, now that you're back, Robin, you are going to go first. Which lands in a black-green depths? Wow. So I I I've been play, playing playing the the old school black green depths a lot, especially when when the slow depths was uh, like the version to run when Bob Wang was uh, was playing that deck. 
and uh, I I always play my my revised, <laughs> and, but af- after like doing this uh, this, seg- this segment of uh, of the pod, I'm more intrigued to try other basics. So it's I'm really evolving here. But uh, when when you play uh, depths, that is such an uh, an ice card, and I think you need to play. Uh, appropriate snow-covered basics to to accompany it. It's from a cold snap, and I chose two basics from cold snap, the snow-covered forest, and the snow-covered swamp. And I really think that they sort of encapsulates the feeling of what Dark Depths deck is trying to do. You are like gathering this witch close to the lake where Merit Lage is buried under a mile thick ice layer and only the witch can sort of break this ice or you have to to get a whole company of actors to sort of make an make a make a ceremony to to break this ice (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking like uh, you know those after ski cover bands they they just they just get all the after ski cover bands together and they're like here's wonderwall for two hours and the merits finally like nah fuck this no 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 you you have them play Wonderwall for two hours and then you play the record backwards. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. When you summit Marriott. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So 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 these lands. Uh, I mean, the the forest is. Uh, it it looks like uh, where this ritual may take place in, in sort of uh, um, a, a little glade in the forest where the witch performs the rituals and and the swamp sort of looks like the dark depths land just from another angle so really fitting lands in my opinion also swamp uh, created by uh, basic land powerhouse rob alexander but lands powerhouse rob alexander i should say yeah i think i think these picks are really good and they also have uh, significance in the deck's history because when when i picked up uh, depths to try the deck for first time you used to play uh, into the north which let you search a library for a snow covered land uh, and put it into play uh, tapped so it was a fetch for the basics or uh, a dark depths and i just think that uh, it's it's quite you know nostalgic uh, to see uh, these lands in the depth stack. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, these are classics. So uh, what about you? I picked uh, some non-snow. You know, like I I, I wanna. It's summer. I wanna have a good time. Uh, so I, I was thinking about some really cheerful cheerful lands. The first the swamp that I picked out is a Euroland. It's Franz Camargue. Um, sorry for my pronunciation, but I think it's 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 fine. I really like this land because it looks like after Marit has been fought out, it's a very nasty swamp. It's it's purple, and it looks like a marshlands. It kind of looks like if if uh, the clouds in the background would have been the path to Mordor, it kind of lo- would have looked like that swamp in uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, in the Lord of the Rings movie, The Two Towers. It looks like this swamp that you never want to walk into, but also uh, it's not a place where I would get shocked if something like Marit would be hiding in. And uh, it's uh, it's very moody. It's one of my favorite swamps. Uh, I really like this one. 
it's by Mark uh, Mark Plug. And the forest that I picked was a special forest by Mark Pole, and it was the 2017 edition of you know some some sort of special land that they were giving out, and it's the forest that looks really wrapped. Uh, I picked this one because this is kind of like what I imagine happens to a land when it gets crop rotated. It looks distorted and like it's moving in some sort of really high pace. And it doesn't it doesn't give away uh, any sense of, you know, that that you can sit down and relax. A lot of forests have this inviting uh, aura around it, even the snow covered one that Robin had. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a, a place where you pick out your thermos that you have hot chocolate in, and you just sit down and uh, with your other mage friends and make a marit. Um, the forest here, it's it's it looks really distorted, and it looks like a lot of things that are happening. You know, either a Sylvan safekeeper is just throwing this as a shield to protect marit, or it's being crop rotated into that cover band that's going to play uh, Wonderwall or, uh, you know, just something like that. And I just really like that it looks like it's alive and moving and it's getting out of there. This swamp is one of the most beautiful swamps I've ever seen. And I really like the the sort of uh, purple uh, color on it because it matches the... Uh, like like Dark Depths is a little bit of a purple deck, you know, where the, the Hex Mage has a purple background. Uh, the Urbori, the new Urbori is a purple card. The Thespian Stage is a purple card. It's a purple deck. And this uh, swamp is fantastic in my opinion. So yeah, Victor, tell us about tell us about your picks. Uh, yeah, so my picks, I um, deviated from, you know, the main route of, of this being a deck that makes Martledge. Uh, I'm like, no, no, what's great about this deck? Uh, it, it's that it has um, Vampire Hex Mage and uh, Sylvan Safekeeper. Uh, so my two lands are, are chosen from where do uh, Vampire Hex Mage and Sylvan Safekeeper come from. So Vampire Hex Mage, of course, lives in Innistrad Swamp, car number 258 uh, by Jung Park, which is essentially a Innistrad graveyard as a swamp. Uh, I love, love, love this swamp uh, for many reasons. It's, it's one of the actually quite few um sort of graveyard themed swamps that you have you you sort of thought you might have a lot but very few are just simply graveyards you find lots of mausoleums or just uh, you know basically swamps but this is of course the hex mage lives in one of those crypts in in this uh, in this graveyard my show my choice for uh where uh sylvan safekeeper and perhaps also elvish beard guide i guess uh where they dwell is uh, from the Magic Premier Shop Series 10. Uh, the Forest, uh, it's uh, drawn by Adam Paquette, who we had on the Basic Land Connoisseur panel before. Uh, Mr. Paquette seems to have drawn up quite a few good Basic Lands. Uh, and this is basically a darkish, very, very green uh, forest, uh, very dense, but there is this opening in this forest where I think Sylvan Safekeeper also known as Ole Rode sits and uh, sharpens his uh, his arrows before climbing onto a spider and riding out to defend uh, Martledge. Obvious, uh, obvious lore right there. That's probably exactly how it happened. Absolutely, I really like those choices, and I like the like the theme of of choosing where those 
like uh, premier creatures of the deck resides. And and to so, sort of go full circle, I think that Olerode's uh, favorite magic, no legacy deck, I should say, is uh, blue and red Delver. At just I have seen him play that, so it's sort of fitting to bring his home into the deck. Should I go? Should I go mega full circle with that? Uh, the artist uh, of the swamp that you picked, Victor uh, Young Park actually made the new Urborg that Robin was probably playing this weekend. Uh, he's the artist for uh, the new Urborg. So that's uh, pretty cool. Really cool. I love that new Ur- new Urborg because I always picked the old art, but in this case, I think the new one is, is much better looking, actually. I agree. It's a really fantastic uh, interpretation, I would say, of Urborg. Very nice. And that's all we have for this week, people. We do hope you have enjoyed our time with us. Uh, and if you are a regular listener, you might have noticed that this episode comes uh, quite quickly after the last one we uh, released. And that's because the last one we released was recorded earlier, but we couldn't edit because there was a five-hour power outage in my house. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't physically edit this. And then, I of course, went down to the to the cottage and uh, you know carried a couple of tons of stone uh, to build my uh, my backyard uh, patio you watch too much game of thrones man it's killing the it's killing all of the electricity in your part of town how is game of thrones killing electricity in my part of town <laughs> you watch it too much don't ask me i'm not an electrician but <laughs> i think it might be related just saying, just saying. <laughs> anyway, listeners, if you did enjoy the show, please recommend it to a friend. That would be nice of you if you spread the words. And if anyone wants to reach out to us, where can we be found? Robin? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. My name is Robin Sassian. And uh, I, I also uh, do write quite a lot on, on Legacy Reddit and and also on uh, other sort of discussion platforms under the name Jakabu. So you can find me there as well. And yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, monolithmtg. And I am also on Twitter under Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 10th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien. Welcome back. And Christopher Wikström, thanks to you as well. My name is Victor Bernhardts. Our amazing music is written by Frönes. You should check them out on Spotify. Uh, until next time, you are not prepared. <laughs>